If you need a new roof or a repair, Easton Roofing will take care of you. Estimates are always free and suggestions are built on integrity. Visit EastonRoofing.com for more information. Get back to business faster with Easton Roofing. Easton Roofing. Integrity matters. The Zone with Jason Anderson. You know what you do after you run the ball on first and ten and you get zero yards? You run that ball again. You establish that run. On Sports Radio 810 WHB. Of all the liners for me to be, be self-conscious about, that one gave me some just bad heebie-jeebies. What got into me that day? It's the zone here on Sports Radio 810 WHB. Jason Anderson is on his way to Phoenix, so the zone from Radio Row will begin tomorrow at 10 o'clock. Uh, but Joshua Briscoe and Beards McFly with you here in the meantime. Joined now by Field Yates of ESPN to look ahead to the Super Bowl, maybe some coaching news. We've got all sorts of stuff going on right now, Field. I know it's never a dull moment in your industry, but uh, this stretch in particular, I imagine your, your perfect hair has been on fire pretty much 24-7. Okay, first of all, has anybody considered making you the full-time host of the show? Because Jason never compliments my hair. Let's put that out there right away. Let's also, do that. like, do we have to do we have to question whether Jason cares enough? Like, it's Super Bowl Monday. Like, yeah. why not find a red eye or something? Get yeah. over there to Arizona at a different time of the day. I, uh, we have the technology for him to do it from the plane, I think, and that would have sounded awesome. Totally. Over the past three years, we can do anything. We just have to have a uh, you know like a dial-up internet or a Wi-Fi internet. Like, we can make it happen. Uh, more seriously, it is this very weird time of the year. It's a great time of year, the greatest time of the year, especially, obviously, for Chiefs and Eagles fans right now. But it's like there's so much left to be decided, only the most prestigious portion of the NFL's calendar. At the same time, like, if, if you were to, like, hover into, like, Los Angeles and, and, and like, around the Rams facility, like, there's nothing going on right now. Right, like, and that's the case for a lot of teams. Yes, there are coordinators. Yes, there are still a couple of head coaching vacancies. But like, you got to like, you know, the Rams or the Jets or the Saints. I guess the Saints hired a defensive coordinator today. But for the most part, it's just sort of like, yep, just chugging along, working on some uh, season review film, maybe a little bit of, uh, maybe a little bit of, uh, you know, free agency prep. It's quiet and like happy NFL, and the rest of it is absolute mayhem. This is Field Yates, the greatest guest in the history of The Zone, currently in the midst of his best segment on The Zone uh, of ESPN. Well, let's let's start outside of the Super Bowl real quick, and then we'll work our way back in, because certainly that's where we are gonna, we're going to land today. Uh, but I wanted to ask you specifically about what you know about the Sean Payton saga, him ending up in Denver, and there being some reporting about uh, what exactly Denver was looking for, who their, who their first choice was, and how they ended up with Sean Payton. Well, you know what's interesting is literally just moments ago, the same time that we joined this interview, this interview began, Sean Payton's press conference began with the Denver Broncos, uh-huh. an introductory press conference. So I do think he'll be able to shed a little bit of light on that where the Broncos will. And I don't want to sound, um, I don't know, I'm sort of lame, <laughs> but my big belief is that like I'm not as concerned about like the process that got you to your head coach. I'm more concerned about the head coach and who that head coach is mm-hmm. and what that head coach does once he gets the opportunity. I talked about this with Jason in the past couple of shows that I'm going to try my best to reserve too much judgment mm-hmm. on head coaching hires this offseason, other than when it's a head coach has been a head coach before, right? And yep. two out of three vacancies so far are head coaches that have been head coaches previously. So I know for the Broncos, like, it's been a bit of a, like, here's the reality. When you trade three first-round picks and uh, for, for a quarterback that immediately plays, you know, like garbage or gets two first-round picks plus multiple other assets, 
like you, you kind of become a little bit more of a punching bag. Um, the Broncos have had a sort of a cluster process to get to where they are now, but Sean Payton is objectively an excellent head coach. Mm-hmm. Does that mean that the gap between the Broncos and the Chiefs immediately narrows? No, but I certainly think that the Broncos franchise, independent of what it means for the Chiefs, is in a better spot now than it was a month ago. Yeah, I agree with you on that, and I heard some people make a good point that, hey, this time last year, this was Russell Wilson's team, and Nathaniel Hackett was the head coach of Russell Wilson's team. This is Sean Payton's team now, and Russell Wilson's the quarterback. Like That, that shift in power dynamic seems like a good thing for them. Yeah, I'd say so, too. And, you know, obviously the objective for Sean Payton may be to get Russell Wilson back on track. And I do think that's the case, by the way. Like, I do think he can do that. Like, I don't think Russell Wilson has a top three season ahead of him. Uh, but I also think that it's very plausible that, like, Russell Wilson could look not exactly like the player he was in Seattle, but, like, much closer to it. I mean, how many quarterbacks this year, for better or worse, changed dramatically in large part because of the context surrounding them? Yeah. A year ago, if I posted to Daniel Jones, would lead a team to a playoff win. You would have laughed me off the show. You would have hung up on me, right? <laughs> and yet here we are, and now we're wondering, like, Daniel Jones is bound for at least the franchise tag, and if I told you the Giants could get him for four years and $140 bucks, you might not necessarily agree with it, but you also understand it, right? You'd be like, yeah, that's kind of how things work with the quarterbacks, right? It's going to have to be over, you know, 35 or so million dollars per year, probably closer to 40. Like, you might have some hesitation about it, but you're going to understand it if it happens. So I think quarterback context really matters. Russell Wilson, I think, will be a much better player this year. You mentioned one team that connects us to two, uh, one current and one former Chiefs assistant that I, I you, you walked us here. Mike Kafka is a finalist for the Cardinals job. Eric Bieniemy continues to coach because the Chiefs aren't out of it yet, obviously. Uh, but I, I found that whole process pretty interesting, where it seems like Kafka's star has risen very quickly, in part because of what that offense looked like with Daniel Jones. And Eric Bieniemy signed the one-year deal last offseason, so we'll see where he goes from here. Are you seeing anything? Do you, do you make any connections there from Kafka leaving as the quarterback's coach here in Kansas City, landing with the Giants, now being in, in line to be a head coach? Is that a move that you think is coming from for Eric Bieniemy, or one of those vacancies maybe right now is Indianapolis still just kind of keeping the seat warm? Yeah, I don't know what will happen with the Indianapolis coaching search. As a matter of fact, I just spent the past week uh, in Mobile, Alabama for mm-hmm. the Senior Bowl, and it's, it's sort of like the combine where there's every team represented and there's a lot of you know, uh, there are a lot of dinners and, mm-hmm. and drinks between you know the media and people inside the league, and inevitably, you know, people get talking and you start to hear the latest gossip rumors, etc., and the one thing that no one had a real pulse on was who the Colt head coach was going to be. <laughs> because everybody is in the dark, right? Yeah. Uh, it's been a thorough process. I think at yeah. last check, there's still seven candidates that are in the mix. Obviously, Jeff Saturday is one of those candidates. Eric Bieniemy is one of those candidates. Um, it is a, uh, it's a, it's a great mystery. I would think that Eric Bieniemy's only shot at head coaching gig right now is Indianapolis. Uh, but I do think it's interesting uh, to see what happens with him if he doesn't get that Indianapolis job, because it, it, this is maybe a total miscalculation on my part. But I would think, and I could be wrong here again, but if the Chiefs are willing to grant him opportunities to interview for offensive coordinator gigs elsewhere this offseason, it might suggest that they are preparing for him to leave, even if it's not for a head coaching job. And there's probably a plan in place to succeed him. My guess would be that means Matt Nagy takes over as the offensive coordinator. Uh, and I think Mike Cass is going to real shot at the Arizona job. I think he's extremely impressive. Chiefs fans, I'm sure, appreciate the work he did uh, helping Patrick Mahomes grow and certainly helping support Eric Bieniemy as the coordinator and Andy Reid as the head coach. Uh, he fits 
uh, in what I think Arizona probably needs right now, which is somebody that can take a quarterback who, like Daniel Jones a year ago, is a bit of mystery in Kyler Murray and help get that quarterback in place and get him to that best self because the very best of Kyler Murray on the field for darn good player. Yeah, I think that matchup, that, that, that pairing would be a pretty fun one. Uh, but uh, I, I also thought for a while that Mike Kafka would be the Chiefs' next offensive coordinator. And then he's going to be he's gonna be a, a head coach, perhaps, before the Chiefs even actually officially have a vacancy. Wild. No uh, question about it. Yep. Field Yates of ESPN with us here in the zone. Uh, let's go Super Bowl, then, if I can twist your arm a little bit. Which of the, uh, the storylines going into this are you finding yourself still intrigued by? I don't know if you want to go big picture, Kelsey Bowl, Andy Reid, or if there's some matchups that have kind of risen to the surface for you here about a week out. Well, certainly the Kelsey and the Andy Reid Bowl is certainly that. I mean, those are almost too easy. I would say more specifically, though, that, like, I believe, and this is probably everything that we – every take we have this week is, is simplifying things. Like, not one thing is going to define who wins the Super Bowl. I do think, though, amongst the factors I am most focused in on is the offensive line for both teams. Mm. Uh, the Eagles, as we know, have, like, you know, a, a pass rush that – at least statistically, has a chance to become legendary, has a chance to finish with the most sacks by a team in a single season. Obviously, they would have had uh, four extra games, the 17th regular season game plus three games in the playoffs, uh, than other teams that never made the playoffs. And uh, But still, I mean, it's an impressive front. They are the only team ever with four guys with double juice sacks in the same same regular season. And as we know, the Chiefs offensive line is one of their great strengths. Uh, it was the NFL's leader in terms of pass block win rate for those that subscribe to uh, such a stat. It also was third in terms of fewest sacks allowed. But then flip that as well, uh, as we know with the Chiefs, uh, that pass rush is pretty deep now, right? It's Mm -hmm. not just Chris Jones who is play wrecking at the moment, but Frank Clark who just kicks things up a notch in the playoffs is one of the most prolific sackers ever in postseason history. Mike Dana, like 41% of the snaps this season, but it feels like every snap he's played in the in the playoffs has been fairly consequential. George Karloffis had a sack last week. I'm sorry, well, eight days ago, but yeah. still last week. Right. Uh, you know, they've, they've got layers to this, right? Like, all of a sudden, it's a group that, even if it doesn't have a super-duper star besides Chris Jones, is pretty formidable. And as we know, that Eagles offensive line is just outstanding. I'm really glad that you mentioned them in particular because that this is something that I'm genuinely kind of trying to understand better this week. Where and look, sacks are not a purely an offensive line stat. I know that. I know Jalen Hurts isn't hasn't been the only quarterback back there. We've seen some Gardner Minshew and all of that. But the Eagles did allow. I think it was the same number of sacks as the Bengals this year. The Bengals had one fewer game again. It's not the best stat I could have picked. If I had the pass rush win rate, I would take it. Um, but even even with that being said, I've seen them be maulers in the run game. I know them to be destroyers of worlds. But in in pass protection with the Chiefs' pass rush, are there matchups to be had there still with it being kind of a banged-up Eagles offensive line, or do I have Bengals O-line hangover, and I'm just kind of hoping that it looks similar like it did last week? Yeah, I don't think it's quite the same. I think um, I think the big thing is that like not all sacks are credited equally, Definitely. right? Definitely. And when you have a quarterback in Jalen Hurts that's as mobile as he is, <laughs> it gives him a chance to extend plays. Um, I think Patrick Mahomes fits in this category as well. I do think that Patrick has become more decisive as his career has gone on, right? It feels Mm -hmm. like that's an area he's improved upon, one of many. Um, But I feel like the the number of of, of, of sacks taken by Jalen Hurts is probably not reflective of the offensive line. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, Lane Johnson, I think, was a strong case. He's the best tackle, certainly the best right tackle, but one of the best tackles, if not the best in the NFL. And left tackle Jordan Mailata is one of the great stories of developments in the entire league. A guy who began playing football like six years ago, now he makes $16 million 
a year as a very underpaid left tackle. So there's no real weak link, in my opinion, on this team. And I'd say same thing for uh, for the Chiefs. Like, there's no real weak link here. Like, I think that someone's going to – obviously someone's going to lose this game, but it's going to be because the other team, like, has earned this Super Bowl. This does not feel the, – the line reflects it, right? It's, um, you know, it, it's gone back and forth. I think the most it's been either way has been, like, one and a half points. Mm-hmm. But it's changed back and forth already. Vegas forecast this is one of the great Super Bowls we've had in a long time. Let's talk about one other matchup that I've been honing in on because I've just been so impressed by what the Chiefs' young cornerbacks have been doing. Really, the last few weeks of the regular season into the playoffs, and they lose Legarius Sneed against the Bengals, and it's just three rookie corners out there with a rookie safety back behind him and Brian Cook for a huge chunk of the game. And they held their own against Jamar Chase and T. Higgins, but now it's A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith. So what do you see when the uh, the Chiefs' defense is out there and the Eagles go to pass? So uh, those... But the entire draft classes are just a ton of praise, right? Like, pretty much everybody, except for, I think, Darian Kennard, who, you know, is going to be a good player for them at some point, but just, you know, there's only five offensive linemen to play in, uh, each snap. So I would say that um, the Chiefs cornerbacks hung as about as well as you could hang with a really, really good group of, of receivers uh, in, in the Bengals. I think the big thing is, and this is not always, like, a sexy thing to say, but, like, Oftentimes, cornerback play is as good as the pass rush allows it to be, mm. right? Mm-hmm. And if the pass rush is really effective, like it was last week, I know that the Chiefs were especially effective early when they snapped, uh, sacked Joe Burrow on three straight pass block, excuse me, pass protect, pass dropbacks, just dropbacks. I don't know why I call those pass <laughs> dropbacks, but yeah. Anyways, the Chiefs, it was a, it was an excellent performance from their pass rush last week. If they can duplicate that again this week, the I think the cornerback room has a chance to really hold up. Um, but if Jalen Hurts has time and space to throw, what makes him the offense in general is so unique. It's basically just like they're playing math all game, mm-hmm. right? Like a lot of their RPOs are like, hey, you find the two on one, or you find the you know the crashing defensive end. That means you're running. But there's Dallas Goddard leaking out in the flat, and if the linebacker attacks you, you throw it to Dallas Goddard. That it's it's definitely different than Cincinnati. There are some things that are similar in the sense they're very explosive. But the uh, like the conventional dropback passing game is not exactly the same, which will change how the Chiefs are able to rush and how the the the, the Eagles are able to uh, move the ball down the field as well. Will the Chiefs' defense be able to hang with that? Will they score enough points on their own? What are you expecting to see on Sunday? Yeah, I I, I think both. I, like I have, I've gone back and forth. I think I when I had to uh, submit my official pick last week because uh, we we get ahead of that a little bit. I think I had the the, the Eagles winning like twenty four twenty three. I think I'm going to flip it. Like it's it's a little bit of Mahomes magic, like 27-23, somewhere in that in that territory. Um, I think it'll be an awesome game, though. Like I, this strikes me as one that we could be talking about for a long, long time. I can't wait to see it. I'm not going to get the game, but uh, I'm going to be out in Arizona for just a little bit this week, and the energy should be palpable. I can't wait. I very much hope that we're talking about an instant classic with you this time next week. I also hope we're talking about how you made the right decision by flipping the pick there as the uh, the game approaches. The, uh, the game Field, approach. appreciate you and your great hair making time with us again today, This uh, as we do uh, every Monday with you. We'll chat again next week and see where next we ended up. And see where we ended up. John, really, I don't, I don't know what it was that was different about this interview compared <laughs> to the last 20 weeks, but this was probably the best we've had all season. Don't tell, don't tell uh, like, please, like, don't tell Jason that. Oh, you can tell him that. Don't worry. I think it's already a liner, man. I think this has been taken out of our hands. I think Beard's made these choices himself. Thank you, Field. <laughs> Love it. Take care. Sounds good. Field Yates of ESPN. Uh, just a real great performance from him today. Appreciate him more than ever. I mean, it's hard to say more than ever because he's been such a great guest for us for so long. But really today, I'm just overwhelmed with the motion of how good Field Yates is at all of this.
You can follow him on Twitter if you'd like at Field Yates. You probably already do. You didn't need me to tell you that. Hey, can I tell you something else? Give you some good news. Maybe offer you some free meat. Beard, you still want to do this here? Or you want to do it next segment? You tell me. We got meat to give we away. Open the Pandora's door. Let's go. Pandora's door. You the famous heard me. The famous literary myth, Pandora's door. It's the music app, right? Icarus, no, don't swim. <laughs> Icarus, get out of the water! Wait a second, what? Yeah, you'll get a cramp. Here's the fun news, everybody. We're going to open up the phones in just a second. We're going to give these out. We got two remaining today, right, Beards? Two left. Caller number eight and caller number ten. Don't start calling yet. Don't start calling yet. Phones are still blocked. Caller number eight and caller number ten are going to get a great deal from our friends at Hy-Vee. Hy-Vee's best beef has been a real staple of my life this football season. We've gone out and made some great videos with the Hy-Vee folks, getting to taste some of their delicious items from the butcher block. Well, you got out, got a $30 Kingdom bundle. It's a great price, but you can get it for free. We're talking four ground chuck patties, four boneless pork top loin chops, four pork bratwurst, and four boneless skinless chicken breasts, plus a 10 cent fuel saver, all from Hy-Vee with Hy-Vee's best beef. All you got to do is call in. If you're calling number eight or calling number 10, you're going to give Beards your uh, info and your preferred Hy-Vee location. You got to pick them up between 9 a.m. Friday and 5 p.m. Saturday, and you'll have them in time for the big game. That's all from our friends at Hy-Vee. Color number eight and color number 10. Get yourself the Kingdom Bundle from Hy-Vee. The Zone with Jason Anderson. Uh, give me both of them back to back. Give me your audience and your critics score for Paul Bart Ballcock. Audience 100%, uh, critics 99. Beards. This is a masterpiece. Paul Bart Markop 1. Well, how did you phrase it? I, blah, 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 blah. That's you, how. All the letters were there. The order was just absolutely uh, unsalvageable. On Sports Radio 810, WHB. Thanks again to Field Yates for joining the show. Thanks again to uh, High V for the beef giveaway. By the way, if you want another shot at that, if you did not get to be one of our lucky callers, uh, we've also got one of those currently running on my Twitter account at JB Briscoe and at Sports Radio Eight Ten uh, on Twitter there as well. Again at Sports Radio Eight Ten. You can retweet it and enter for all that, and we'll uh, give out some more beef, meat for all, here in the zone. Again, Jason Anderson will be back on air with us tomorrow as the crew's headed out to Phoenix right now as we speak. We'll um, have a crazy lineup of guests just based on what we've already seen booked. We'll, we'll, I'll save all that for Jason once it's all set in stone tomorrow. Let him do the teasing on that front. But we'll have a lot of different people joining us throughout the rest of the week to look ahead to Super Bowl 57, which the Chiefs are playing in, by the way. Anybody mention that yet? Seems good. Uh, I have not been able to uh, listen to any of Sean Payton's press conference, obviously, as it's going on right now, and we've kind of got an audio-based thing going on at the moment. We'll uh, we'll see how the press conference goes, but there are a couple of things from the entire Broncos saga on Friday that we didn't fully get to, and then Field had, I, I thought, a good take on it here just a little bit ago as well. So I want to dip back into the Broncos and Sean Payton for a second. Largely because... The steps along the way are very funny. And then I do think Field was right to say, look, I don't really care how you ended up with your guy as long as you ended up with the right one. Nick Sirianni wasn't a first choice. Frank Reich, I don't think, was a first choice back in Indy and went well before he got fired. There are a lot of examples of 
the number one pick amongst coaches not necessarily being the right choice or fallback options having a lot of success. Doug Peterson in Jacksonville was reportedly not the first option. I do not Their remember. first who. option was Urban Meyer. That's the truth, yeah. But. And then you have situations like Urban Meyer, Matt Rule, where it is the guy, where you, you win the press conference, you... You bring in the name and the face that's going to show that you're serious about rebuilding your culture. John Gruden. And then your culture goes that way. So look, I I do think, and I thought it was funny that Field said this as well, because this is a realization that I've come to separately this year. Um, Great minds and great hair thinks alike, really. But I'm not going to pop any party poppers for any... Head coaching hires, unless the Colts hire Eric Bieniemy, just because I think he's more than earned his spot. But I, I am not going to fall out of my. T- uh oh! Breaking news from Beards McFly from Field Yates didn't tell us about this last oh. segment. Um, well, actually, this isn't even his. Uh, Tom Brady tells Colin Cowherd that he'll begin his role as a broadcaster with Fox during the 2024 NFL season. He just won't go away. That's kind of interesting, though. I actually saw that tweet from somebody else a little bit earlier. I credit to Field because he's our guy. But when I saw it the first time, until you said it just then, I was just sort of assuming that meant next football season. But that means Brady's going to take a full year off. And then what that really means is that he told Colin Cowher to ask me again in a year is what I think that really means. Good for him, though, man. Hey, do you know what I don't get? Speaking of Matt Rule... If if you are outrageously wealthy, and in Matt Rule's case, getting paid actively to not work, get the, get on that Cliff Kingsbury plan, get a one-way ticket to Thailand, and haul her back in six months. Now, there's been some stuff about Brady wanting to spend more time with his kids and all of that. Do that. Go. Yeah, that's cool, man. Go, go reintroduce yourself to your family. Take some... Underwear pictures on your bed. I also saw that that was happening, but I didn't really get the... I didn't blow it up and try to assess every pixel. Is he selling the Brady brand underwear? Is that what it is? So I think what the deal was... All right, I'm going to go look at it while you explain it. I think what the deal was, he had tweeted a couple years ago about, like, if that tweet hits 40,000 likes, I'll recreate these photos, and it was like a retweet of some underwear model thing. Yeah. So somebody re-tagged him in that recently. I was like, hey, where's the payoff? So he did it this morning, and then uh, Tyreek Hill tweeted that he's, since retirement, he's been become closer to Antonio Brown. He immediately, in the follow-up tweet to this new one, he immediately did post a link to the Brady brand boxer briefs. Ah. So you, you definitely can go buy these exact undies now. And there is a... Um, Do they come with like $5 million in cash inside the... Inside? In the bulge? Sure. Yeah, they're only twenty bucks. You can get five for eighty-five. It was the Brady brand that retweeted that tweeted back him and said, "Hey, we haven't forgotten about this." In the photo, Brady's got his throwing hand <laughs> on. Um, I don't want to presume anything about the level of inflation or deflation, but it's strategically placed, which makes me think that the. 
the Brady boxer briefs might not necessarily be the best for um, for preserving your modesty. Which so I appreciate Brady's you know little self edit there. I said little self edit. That wasn't. I don't know. I don't know how much editing was being done there. Keeping it PG thirteen for the timeline. This was going to be me talking about Sean Payton. You still can. Now we're talking about Tom Brady. In his underwear. And. Deflated things. Deflated things. There's just one real specific word that I'm just kind of tiptoeing around. That's twice today I've stopped myself from making a joke that probably should have just let it fly. Speaking of getting soft in your older age, uh, I want to. Here, here's the thing with the uh, stop laughing, beards. Turn your mic off. I can't. If I hear you snickering in the background, I'm not going to be able to go back to talking about Sean Payton. Whoa! Breaking news, beards. Sean Payton just posted a picture of himself just in his boxers, just full length mirror, just Haynes boxers. Seems unnecessary. All right, that one was a lie. Good segue. Thanks. So I do think that Field is on to something. When he says, look, I, the order of operations, all this doesn't, doesn't really mean much once the, the coach gets hired, as long as you have the right guy. I absolutely agree with that. And I don't blame the Broncos for wanting to check out of all their options, including ones that wouldn't cost you a first-round draft pick. Like, that, that is a legitimate cost. If you get the right head coach... What does it mean? Nothing. I asked this last week, but what would you have retroactively given up for Andy Reid to be the head coach of the Chiefs? And I I would say I would rather the Chiefs have not had their own first round pick every single year of the Andy Reid era, except for 2017 and I guess 18 when they needed that pick to go get Patrick Mahomes. But if you said, hey, all the first round picks except for your Mahomes ones... All the rest of those picks go straight to the Eagles because you got Andy Reid. We're keeping the 2020 pick. We could trade that one, too. You sure? I'm confident. But, like, if you think about it in those terms at all, and again, that's with the benefit of hindsight, getting the right head coach is way more valuable than a first-round draft pick. Now, getting the right head coach isn't as easy as that, and a first-round draft pick doesn't guarantee you that it's going to suddenly make that guy the right head coach. But, I get it. Again, going back to like, hey, not freaking out about uh, every first-time head coach hire that gets made. Like, I kind of like the, the Frank Reich move. Because we've seen him be a good head coach before. I'm finding myself much more generous to the quote-unquote retreads because I do think there's something to just like learning what it means to be a head coach and just hiring the best coordinator. I, I, I don't want to bleep talk Lou Anarumo at all. In fact, I would love for him to go be a head coach in the NFC somewhere. It would make our uh, one week of our years a little, maybe two weeks of our years, a little less stressful pretty frequently. He's the Bengals defensive coordinator, if anybody hadn't learned his name recently. But I don't know that Lou Anarumo is going to be a good head coach. And frankly, I don't know that Eric Bieniemy is going to be a good head coach, or Mike Kafka, or whoever. And frankly, I think Matt Nagy will be a better head coach his next time through than he was his first time through. 
Also because they'll probably have a better quarterback than Mitch Trubisky. Probably also the case. Who he got to the playoffs with? He did. Coach of the year, Matt Nagy. He did. But yeah, I don't also think had a good that's... Defense. Yeah, I don't, and I don't think it's an unreasonable thing at all to say like, hey, um, how many times in your first job were you the best at it, in that role, your first time in this role, how often were you the best at it than that you were ever? Or did you ever do that job for a little while and then get better at it as you went? Maybe not better enough to keep you from getting fired, but you learned a lot from that. I think that's a pretty reasonable thing. So all of that to say, I understand saying first round pick for Sean Payton, bleep it. Absolutely. It does feel a little bit like digging another level deeper, hoping you're going to hit oil if you're the Broncos. Where it's like, hey man, you're just you're just like six yards down a sandbox right now. You, you, there is no there is no oil to be found here, and maybe that's the case. But I I get it because who was the face of the Broncos franchise a week ago? It's Russell Wilson. At the moment they traded for Russell Wilson, that was Russell Wilson's franchise. Broncos country. Let's ride. That was his team the moment he got there. Nathaniel Hackett was the head coach of Russell Wilson's team. And now, you give up Bradley Chubb and a future second, third round pick swap for it to be Sean Payton's team who Russell Wilson is the quarterback of? Yeah, I get it. I really, really do. On the other side, I wonder if this is actually going to be actively beneficial to Russell Wilson. Is he going to be able to adopt the style of play that lets him see a late career renaissance like Drew Brees had? Or are we just saying, hey, we've really only we only really remember Sean Payton with one quarterback. He was pretty darn good being Drew Brees. This guy's also old. Maybe that'll work. And I don't know. I don't know how that marriage is going to, to gel. I don't know when the Broncos actually see their best era of Sean Payton beginning. Do they think that started today? Do they think that starts in two years or three years when they're able to get away from Russell Wilson's contract? When does the rebuild actually begin? Or, even with all those picks devoted to Russ and to Payton, do the Broncos think they're contenders now because they got the head coach right and they got it so wrong the last time? Or is this more about Russ and the rest of the roster? That's all serious analysis. I would like to now go to the meta-analysis. Because these two tweets from Ian Rappaport and Adam Schefter, two guys who know a lot of things about what's going on in the NFL world. I asked Field about it, and he gave a good, a good end result sort of answer. But I want you to hear what Rappaport and Schefter said as the hire was going down to land Sean Payton. I know we're like a week out from this, but I think it's interesting. So Ian Rappaport tweets, Unbelievable. The Broncos spent today trying to hire D'Amico Ryans again today before he recommitted to the Texans, sources say. When he agreed to terms with the Texans, they moved and finalized Sean Payton. The Broncos, last few weeks, zeroed in on D'Amico Ryans, secretly tried to lure Jim Harbaugh from Michigan, negotiated a Sean Payton deal, tried to hire Ryans again, finalized the hire of Payton as their new coach. Feels a little bit like paying a premium 
for your third choice. Now, again, he could have been the third choice because he was the only one that cost a premium. D'Amico Ryans and Jim Harbaugh weren't going to cost you any draft picks. If that was their ranking and they ended up on their third option, that's fine. I think it's funny for Chiefs fans because you get to say for as long as Sean Payton is there, hey man, it's great that you got that guy who won a Super Bowl a really long time ago, your third choice. It's kind of funny trash talk. But what did Adam Schefter say that's so interesting to me? Thanks for asking. Timing of today's two hires was completely coincidental. Broncos were zeroed in on Sean Payton and didn't make any contact this week with D'Amico Ryans or his agent. Denver was focused on Payton and Houston on Ryans. Those are uh, two pretty different stories being told about the same deal. Which is why I would just love to take you back to March 8th. Why March 8th? Thank you, Beards. Adam Schefter tweets, Denver acquiring Russell Wilson has nothing to do with the Aaron Rodgers decision to return to Green Bay. Denver general manager George Payton initiated trade talks with Seattle for Wilson at least two weeks ago, per sources. And this is just a little, like, media reporting literacy 101 kind of stuff to take you into the offseason. If you follow the breadcrumbs and you ask yourself who benefits from this being out there, you're pretty likely to find the source of where the information's coming from. Now, I mean, sometimes it's innocuous, right? It's just an update or whatever. But when you have two insiders getting very different intel, or at least choosing to go with very different intel, there are competing narratives there. I think those two tweets from Schefter indicate pretty strongly that people within the Broncos organization prefer to talk to Shefty. Hey, no, no, no. We weren't we weren't worried. We were whoa, we weren't trying to get Aaron Rodgers or D'Amico Ryan's like a year later. No, 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 no. We loved Russell Wilson and Sean Payton the whole time. What's the issue here? Meanwhile, Rappaport like lays out a timeline for you. And again, look, I I think the Broncos made a very reasonable choice in hiring Sean Payton. Think it could be the best thing for them long term. Don't know what it's going to do for them in the short term. Is there a better chance the Broncos get a game from the Chiefs this year than they did last year? Sure. Sure. Is there a better chance they end the streak next year with with Sean Payton as their head coach than they would have with another year Nathaniel Hackett? Sure. Better chance they would have with D'Amico Ryans? No idea. Jim Harbaugh? No idea. Also, when they made that Russ trade last year, even I... Disbeliever of disbelievers. Even I'm pretty sure I started kind of mentally penciling in the idea that the Broncos would get the Chiefs once. Maybe they get you in Denver this time. So, I I don't mind just quoting one Patrick Mahomes and telling you that I will believe it when I see it on anybody in the AFC West, really. I'm the most bullish on the Chargers, certainly. But, I don't need to believe 
that the Broncos have now been solved. That they got the right architect in and now everything's going to work out just fine. I, I don't think that's what's happening here. But I thought the process of how they arrived to this point was, if nothing else, kind of funny. I don't think it's embarrassing that they could have, air quotes here, settled on Sean Payton. You could do a lot worse than that. I think it's largely going to be looked at as a good hire. Despite the fact that, as Jason laid out last week, he's got a very similar career arc to Mike McCarthy. And if the Broncos hired Mike McCarthy, would we be shaken? No. But I do think Sean Payton's a good coach. Got out of the game for a breath. Hopping back in again. I bet he'll get more out of Russell Wilson than Nathaniel Hackett did. Maybe there's a wake-up call kind of thing for Russ. Going, oh, I just got my head coach fired because I was terrible. Maybe I can work with this guy who made Drew Brees a little better. But like right now on SportsCenter, it shows, you know, Sean Payton introduces Broncos head coach and then won NFL Coach of the Year in 2006. We are going 15 years into the archives to put the hardware up there. Now it's with Peyton as head coach. Saints led NFL in passing five times. I mean, Drew Brees led the NFL in passing five times, right? Were any of those like a team effort? Did Jameis ever hop in and do that? I'm not I'm not sure. You you paint the narrative however you want to. You can build your way forward, backward, from the middle on the way out. You can decide what you believe and then find your logic for it in here somewhere. Certainly. But I I understand why they made the moves they did. While I also have absolutely nothing that implores me to believe that the Broncos rejuvenation is coming. That's that's more or less where I've landed. And I think it's funny when there's NFL insider beef. Speaking of beef, nobody gave all this away already. Just another segue to make Beards wonder if he was going to have to take a bunch more calls. All right, well, we can take a break, I guess. Beards, how you feeling over there? I'm okay. We're at the uh, about at the three quarters mark. Not quite. Not quite in a quarter four here. Two thirds. No, Jason. Yeah, yeah. We've we've hit the two thirds mark. Um, a lot of great hair on the guest list today with Kent Swanson into Field Yates. Mick Schaefer's got TV hair ready yep. to go. I mean, he's got good. He's got good hair, but he's not committed to the vol, the voluptuity. Is that a word? V- voluptuousness. Volume. Kent and Field have voluptuous hair. Sure. I don't know how you. Adjectivize voluptuous. You feeling good though? You feel like so far without Jason here? Like this? I'm just doing a little check in to kind of figure out. We're in a break right now, right? No one can hear this. Yeah, we're good. We're fine. You feel like it's going pretty well? I mean, Field Field was, have, Field was having a good time. He might have just been being nice, and then Kent was being nice, and then he got mean, and that hurt my feelings. That's the Kent experience, though. Yeah, that's true. I guess I should have been ready for that. Do you think when Mick joins us at one, do you think he's going to go? No, nah, Mick will be mean. I, well, so here's the thing. I'm going to start with Mick with a compliment. Did you see the live shot that he did? No. On the moving walkway at the airport? No. He was on the moving walkway, facing backwards, looking at the camera, 
an incredible establishing shot. And so I was thinking that I would like be like, hey, Mick, thanks for joining us, even though Jason's not here. I know you typically won't talk to me unless the mics are on and the cameras are rolling. Mick's very standoffish, in, more like Sunday standoff. Mick's very standoffish in person. But I thought, hey, maybe I soften the open with that, you know, love that live shot. And then maybe he won't go straight for the for the venom. I'm just really concerned about how Kent Field and Mick all feel about me. But I'm comfortable admitting that to you, Beards, because I know we're in a break. So, um, I just realized something. Oh, yeah? Uh, the, the little light here, my mic one, which is your mic. Yeah, sure. It says on. Yeah, and I don't like it when you do that because I do know, like... Obviously, you have it potted down because there are two ways you can adjust. Or you can have the mic off, or you can have it potted down. No, well, no, and sometimes you just the, pot it down and it leaves the, the on-air light on, and that makes me mad. Kind of like up on that. Is it out of programming or something? Did no. you route it so you could hear me? No, I think it's just on. Well, at least commercials have been playing this whole time, right? Hey, 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 Josh. Yeah, beards. They're not playing. Gosh, dang it! They should be. You're in the zone. Little kids get a once-in-a-lifetime chance to play on the ice during uh, intermissions of NHL games, and it's adorable. Last night, one of those kids decided to go rogue and use his time in the spotlight to blank. Beards, what's your best guess? Poop on the ice. I now will add the end of this sentence, which is to blank twice. With Jason Anderson. Take one more guess from you. This kid used his time in the spotlight to blank Twice. I mean, poop on the ice still fits there. Sorry, we were looking for fight gritty. <laughs> on Sports Radio 810 WHB. Look, I mentioned earlier that I think it's incredible. <laughs> We've made it this far into Super Bowl week. Through the first of two Super Bowl weeks, now we're here in the real one. I think it's amazing that we've made it this long and there's been no real Kansas City-Philadelphia trash talk. Maybe also, unlike Kansas City and Cincinnati, we just both have a healthy respect for what the other city has done in the food scene. Because I certainly do. But I will say, I will amend it now. I think this is fair. I don't think this is too strong. I think if any Kansas Cityan sees Gritty this week, it's on site. Do not let a big, furry, orange monster walk in front of my line of vision. And I'm not talking about beards. What I was hoping would turn his mic on before I made that joke and just absolutely refused. I was looking at the text from Mick. Oh, did Mick text back? He did. He said, gotcha. He has no idea what time it is. He doesn't even know what day it is. He's tweet- he just tweeted a, a picture from uh, sporting training. And I was like, where the hell is he? Oh, yeah, that's also out in Arizona. Pretty we're just baseball be out there. Seriously, we're just picking up shop and just moving... Kansas City to Arizona. I'm, you know what? Honestly, I'm worried Mick might not come back. Here's where our trash talk starts between Kansas City and uh, Philadelphia. Hit me. Um, VF is epic on Twitch. Slugger could take Gritty one-on-one. Ooh. 
Does Slugger get the bat? That seems unfair. Did he get, get a bat and sticks? Is there, are there, or are we going just... Just take off the crown and beat him with it. Show him who's boss. If they're both going at it, we're going to let them keep their jerseys for just sort of all of our sakes. Boy, Slugger going to... I think Slugger's got gritty. I think I agree that Slugger wins that one 1v1. Casey Wolf wipes the floor with Gritty. Although, oh, what a hoops over him. If Gritty gets to tag team in the Fanatic, now we got a 2v2. Put that on pay-per-view. Mick Schaefer next.